0: you all. I haven't been here in several months, I think. Uh, my name is John Callio. I didn't expect you to remember it after the long time I've been here. I am the new uh, Illinois Baptist State Association Zone Consultant. I, have, uh, I started on April 1st. I figure I have another 12 months of telling everybody I'm new, so they won't expect anything of me. And I'm going to continue on that route. It is good to see you. We look forward to being back in your church. If you would, would you please turn in your Bibles to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. If I were to uh, title this message, I'd probably uh, very simply title it encouragement and instruction encouragement and instruction I'm gonna be in verses uh, 1 through 7 this morning verses 1 through 7 this morning so uh, as you go to the very uh, last uh, letter we'll call it in the New Testament to Revelation I'll be in chapter 2 verses 1 through 7, and as you're able, would you please stand for the reading and hearing from God's holy word, and let us hear from the word of God, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false." This you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who hasn't here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Please be seated. May God bless the reading and hearing from his holy word. There are... uh, <clears throat> things we we like in this world, and and things that that we love. I like uh, riding my motorcycle. I don't love it. I like piddling around with my motorcycle. I don't love it. I really like when I piddle around with my motorcycle, and I don't end up taking it to the mechanic to fix what I piddled around with, but I don't love it. I love Jesus. I love my salvation. I know because I have repented of my sin and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to heaven. I love that. I love my wife, I love my children. There are things in this world I like, but I can't say that I love, like I love my Lord, my salvation, and my family. That, uh, that being said, uh, there are times in our lives, even with the things that we love, we at times get away from. I know it's easy to say, "No, I'd never do that." I, I love such and such. I, I love the Lord. I love my family. No way would I, would I ever get away from those things? And <clears throat> from time to time, and I, I think in all of our our lives, uh, we have a, a tendency to start taking the things we love for granted he, you know even the the local church i i love the local church and i know that other people would share the same sentiment but things happen in life and even with the things that we love we start to take for granted the problem with all of that is number 1 it's not right in the first place and number 2 when we start taking things, people, things of God, people for granted, our salvation for granted, you know, God may, uh, may put up with us for a while, but at some point in time, we start to get out of kilter with our lives. And we, uh, we don't figure it out immediately. Sometimes we don't figure it out for a little while down the road and we see that our lives are out of kilter. We wonder why our lives are out of kilter and finally the Lord reveals it to us in some way that we don't quite appreciate because it humbles us and we realize that what has happened is is that we've taken things that are important like the Lord Jesus Christ like our families, like the local church for granted, and have not given it the attention that we should be giving it, and we see this is what has happened to our lives. Uh, That being said, with your Bible still open, because I'm gonna go through these verses, if we were to take a look at verses uh, one through uh, three, we would find that these are, are verses of encouragement. Uh, work with me as I deal with this. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? You know, who, who's that angel? Well, most of the time, I, I think we look at that angel as the pastor of that church in Ephesus. Uh, we could, can look at it more like the pastor at, at the First Baptist Church of Tolona or the pastor in uh, any other uh, Jesus-loving church. Uh, I'm going to expand that a little bit. I I think the angel really is uh, referring to the pastor. But when you think of it in, in our context, I think it is fair to say not only the pastor, but the deacons. Not only the pastor and deacons, but the Sunday school teachers. Not only the pastor, deacons, and Sunday school teachers, but the leadership of the church. The church that angel, that that representative to the entire community in the world that represents Jesus Christ, the Word of God is talking to us. It said the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands. I, I believe this person that's talking to us is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I believe that when it says who holds the seven stars in his right hand, is referring to all power, all authority, all knowledge, all glory belongs to him and to him alone. All all-knowing, all-powerful in all places at all times, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. In other words, who can go any place, any time, he so chooses, the Lord Jesus, revealing himself because there is no other greater authority than the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. He's saying to you, and he's saying to me, I know your hard work. I know that the work for Jesus Christ, as blessed as it is, can be hard at times. I know that faithfulness in the Lord may require sacrifices at times. I know what you're going through. After all, not only did I walk in your footsteps, but they put me to death for it. He says to you and he says to me, I know what you're going through. I know your hardships, but you're working hard. Your your toil and your patient endurance, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've done that. And I've even gone to the cross for that. He's saying, I know what you're going through. You know, there are uh, a lot of churches out there that are working really hard, really hard, to get the gospel message out there. Uh, You all, uh, you all. And as someone like myself, who before I, uh, God bless you. Twice, almost. Uh, I know before I came to IBSA, the Illinois Baptist State Association, I had been a pastor for like a million years and been in ministry even then some. And so I know from a pastor's perspective and from being a a deacon at one time and seeing all the people that make so many sacrifices that, you know, it's hard work. You know, uh, there's so many things that this world is trying to, 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 to get us to do. I mean, one organization wants you to volunteer for this. Another organization wants you to volunteer for that. Uh, you, you feel uh, a, a, a need to be able to, to help out in so many areas. You know, I, I found over the years uh, that people can't do everything. I found over the years that all of us have to pick and choose what we're going to give our priorities to. Now, as a one time, as a pastor, I felt like uh, other than people's families, I felt like they should give a really high priority to the local church. Now, I've had a few, you know, I've had time to think about was my motive just selfish because I was the pastor? Well, of course not that would never encounter anything but that being the case you know if the world can have a little piece of us little here little there little there little there we've got nothing we're we're, we're pulled in so many areas and i learned a really long time ago i just couldn't do everything you know what you can't do everything either so you have to pick and choose where your priorities are going to be. Look, I think the family, you know, outside of our salvation, the family comes next. But you know what? Not every organization needs you to do everything. Now, they're going to tell you you do, but you're going to have to pick and choose somewhere where your responsibility to your faith and your relationship to the local church goes. Now, I know we, we're we all trying to to get our churches to grow you know I think I spent 30 years as a, a pastor trying to figure out how do I get everybody to come to my church and uh, you know what uh, you you work really hard at it and you make all kinds of changes and you try to do everything to to be attractive to to people who don't know Jesus and uh, you know, it, it gets hard, and, and, and it gets mentally hard, and and it gets spiritually hard. It gets physically hard at times, but, you know, it doesn't matter what organization you're a part of. These same dynamics are going to come into play, and people, people have to figure out Where where are they going to put a priority on the local church and maybe a few other things so that not only do you not burn out, uh, but you don't go crazy in the midst of everything? Well, we're always trying to figure out ways how to attract people to our church. And uh, I pastored in northern Illinois for nine and a half years before I uh, pastored in uh, Mattoon Illinois for over 18 years and uh, when I was in northern Illinois I would hear stories uh, about how people in the 50s and 60s maybe 70s I'm not sure about that uh, would uh, would reach out and and get people to come to their church and with so many people from the southern states coming up into the to the northern world uh they try to figure out how how to how do you find people to to come to your church and what a lot of southern people who were up here because work brought them up here they would go to shopping centers i don't know if they had malls back in those days they i think they were becoming popular then and and they go around and see all the cars and when they see cars that had a license plate from a southern state thinking these people are probably looking for a church they put their church literature on their windshield and and people people responded to that because they were looking for a southern baptist church up here in the the northern neck of the world, and, uh, and they would do that. That worked in those days. I heard some people would go around, and they'd look at all the cars out there, and anyone that didn't have any rust on them figured they had to be from a southern state. And so they'd put their church literature on there, and you know what? People responded to that. Uh, there are some people who believe in the the field of dreams theory. Uh, you know that movie, The Field of Dreams, with Kevin Costner. Have you? I think everybody and their brother seen that. You know what was that saying? If you build it, they will they will come. Ah, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Well, it's hard work church life is hard work we we like to think the church is going to be easy why don't we just come to church and everything will be great in my life and i won't have to do anything about serving the lord no, no i'm not going to reach people for joy. i'm just going to come to church well there are a lot of people that really do think that way but somewhere along the lines we have to think to ourselves what does it really mean to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And where are you going to put your priorities? And where are you going to put your hard work? And I, I'm i contending that, you know what, it's normally a small percentage of people that make such a strong commitment to making the local church a priority, of of ministering around the local church, of of reaching out to people and helping people understand that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and helping people understand that if, if people repent of their sin and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can be anointed with eternal salvation always seems to be just a few people that want to make that a priority. Well, I, I'd i really like to be able to tell you that, hey, if you just come to faith in Jesus, uh, everything is going to be easy. Uh, as somebody who's been in ministry over 30 years in some form of another, whether as a per, a pastor or church planner apprentice and now uh, working with ibsa you know what Uh, you got to figure out where your priorities are because you're not going to be able to do everything and if jesus christ is going to continue to impact all of our lives i hate to tell you this but but there's going to be more required of you than just coming to church i i know in this day and age and maybe it's always been like this people would rather just come to church on sundays and and say well did my part and and go on i've got to be honest with you i think you should think in terms of more than that and i you know uh, i hope after pastor hears this message he doesn't go from sick to dying uh, but I, I think, I think you need to take a strong look at that because it seems to me the idea of not making Jesus and the local church a priority in people's lives is not working for Christianity in the world. And it seems like the people who are getting the biggest blessings in the world are the people who have made Jesus number one priority, the family, and then. The commitment to the local church. Well, the Lord says in his holy word, I know your works. I know your toil. I know your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. I've, you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. I know you are enduring patiently. Amen. Amen. And bearing up for my name's sake to lift up Jesus Christ. And you've not grown weary. I'll tell you I've struggled with the not growing weary there have been times as a pastor I've grown weary and I've I've gotten tired and I've gotten tired physically I've gotten tired emotionally and I've even gotten tired spiritually but thank God for the Holy Spirit who will renew us when we start to get everything in our proper balance and I I contend that Uh, Most of the reasons why people get burned out in the first place is because they haven't balanced out having a few priorities in their life, and they feel so tugged in so many uh, different directions. But verses 4 through 6 and even verse 7 lays down some instruction that that may be difficult for us to hear. Follow along with me, if you will, please. Uh, Verse 4 says this, But I have this against you, That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Uh, Some translations will say your first love. And you probably will hear different views on who the first love is. I believe the first love is Jesus. I think what has happened is that in Christianity, we have misappropriated our priorities and the reasons why we do what we do and it is caused difficulties in our lives and I believe what has happened is is we have gotten away from loving Jesus first he says remember your first love remember when you loved Jesus first remember when you did everything because you wanted to lift up Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior remember that You see, what I think has also happened in churches around the country is that we have gotten so focused on just doing the church thing that we have overlooked that the reason why we do our church thing is because we love Jesus. You see, we should love Jesus, and as a result of loving Jesus, we do our church thing. But whenever we take loving Jesus out of the equation, all of the sudden, no matter how holy or how spiritual of anything we're doing, just seems to miss the mark. And the scripture here is saying to this church in Ephesus, look, I I know you're working hard, and I know you're trying hard, and I know you're being patient, and I know that you're trying to be doctrinally sound, and amen, and amen. But it's so easy to get so caught up with doing the holy and spiritual. We've tend to get gotten away from loving Jesus and the word of god is saying you know what maybe we all need to re-examine why we do what we do and the reasons why we do anything should always be because we love jesus well some people might be asking what uh, what does that look like well i think loving jesus not only is praising him and lifting him up, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I I think loving Jesus is best displayed by the way we love people because we love Jesus. I think the way we love Jesus is the way that we give respect to people. I think that when we love Jesus, it's the way that we interact with people in such a way that Jesus would be lifted up. Now, I'm not saying you've got to use Jesus in every other word that you say with people, but I am saying this. Sometimes even Christians are not very nice to other people, and I think that even when we're interacting with people that we find it difficult to interact with, we've got to figure out a way where we do it with dignity and with respect. Is this making sense? And I'm thinking that maybe a lot of people take a look at Christians and the way Christians relate to people, and, and they think to themselves, man my secular friends are nicer than you not you people next door well not next door that may be where the pastor lives well you 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 see you see where i'm going with this and these things are important because the way we treat people has a lot to do with the way people are looking at jesus i'll go back to the church for a minute folks you know we We want people to come to our churches. We want people to hear the gospel message. I mean, the church is that place of all the places where people will hear about how Jesus loves them. The church, the local church, is the best place for people to experience the grace of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord and the forgiveness of the Lord and especially the salvation message that should always, always be proclaimed. The local church, the best place that people are going to find out that really is there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. I know we we're good with talking about heaven. We're just not good admitting that there is a hell. I'm going to share with you something. There's a hell, folks, and uh, as much as we don't like to talk about it, I think people ought to know there's a heaven and there's a hell. I think we should never be embarrassed to invite people to church, especially when we know that the pastor is going to lovingly proclaim the gospel message. I think the way your pastor does it. As a matter of fact, especially because he's not here, I think when Julie and I, my wife Julie, uh, came here the very first time, I think we heard one of the best messages from your pastor that we have heard in a really, 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 really long time. I really think you guys got a great pastor. He didn't pay me to say this, didn't ask me to say this, but I think you're fortunate to have him as a pastor. Well, I remember, you know, when Julie and I were living down in Louisville last year, we, uh, we were looking for a church to go to, and uh, Julie was in seminary and singing in the, uh, one of the special choirs that they have at, at seminary. And she had mentioned that we didn't have a, a church to go to, and we were, we were looking around at churches. And in Louisville, Kentucky, you, you have, man, a variety of churches from really, really small to really, really big to really, really glitzy and uh, we experienced going to the different churches that were there and uh, there was one uh, person that was singing in this choir and her husband who was doing the sound i believe and went up and invited julie to church julie and me to church and uh, we didn't know anything about their churches or their church that they went to but and they didn't tell us anything. They just said, "Hey, we invite you to come to our church," and uh, and so we went. And as uh, as I'm driving up to the church, I I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, that's a really old-looking building. That's a really small building. Boy, I hope it doesn't collapse on us." Now I'm. Not sure I had that much of a conversation with my wife about it. But uh, we uh, we parked in this itsy-bitsy little parking lot. We went into this itsy-bitsy little church. You, I'd say the church was probably, I don't know, half, three-quarters the size of your church. Nowhere as near as nice as your church. Nowhere near as, oh, you guys got it made in the shade. And we went there and we worshipped and we liked what we experienced. Thought about those glitzy churches we went to. Different sized churches. But we kept coming back to this little itsy bitsy church with this little itsy bitsy parking lot. And we ended up staying there for the time being we were there. Here's my point. When the woman who invited Julie and Julie and I to church, her name was Virginia, she never said to Julie, hey, listen. I know our church isn't as glitzy as the one next door, and I know we don't have as many people in our church as the one next door, and, you know, we haven't got a whole lot to compare to the church next door, but, hey, you got nothing else to do. Why don't you come visit us? Never said that. You know what she did? We invite you to our church. (laughs) That was not a church that had anything to offer too many people. That was a church that I knew needed our money. (laughs) I knew it when I walked. I knew it from a mile away. I knew it. That was a church that needed people who cared about Jesus. That was a church that had needs. She never apologized for her church. She invited us to church. Whether she realized it or not. She trusted the Lord and relied on the Lord to let the Lord do whatever the Lord was going to do. And that was a church that we eventually identified with while we were down in Louisville. Where do you go with all of that? I can't get away from being a pastor for so long. And there's so much competition out there for people to come to your church. You know what if we if we just do this in our church everybody will come to our church look i even went to the church uh, in that tune, and i said to them if we just install a really nice pool where everybody could come swim at our church wouldn't that be neat uh, they didn't think it was such a neat idea and it it didn't happen it didn't happen we uh We had a little, uh, some front space here with a basement underneath. I had another great idea, which I might add they did not think was from God. And I thought, let's cut out this big area here, and let's put all our musicians on it, and put them downstairs, and when it's time for the worship service to start, let's push a button, and they come up playing music. Is that not from God? Well, they didn't see it that way, and it it didn't happen. Uh, You want to know what? I like Virginia and her husband's theory. This is our church. We invite you to our church and allow the Lord to take it from there. Lord knows your hard work. We just ought to be loving Jesus in the midst of all of that. Well, I, I, I see that clock, you refuse to take it down when I come to preach, I know that. And so I'll just close out with with this here. Long, 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 long time ago, I was living in the state of Virginia, because that's where I'm from. And uh, I probably didn't know it at the time, but the Holy Spirit was working in my life, but I didn't realize it. and. A good friend, uh, well, a friend of mine, his name was John Hale, he invited me to his church. And it was on uh, Easter Sunday, which is a great time to invite people to church, I might add. And uh, I decided to go, but I was afraid to go by myself. So I asked a friend of mine to go with me, and he said yes. And so uh, I went and I picked him up. And we headed towards the church, and uh, we got time to to go to church, and we went in the church. But I couldn't find my friend who invited me. I thought, man, if you're going to invite somebody to church, don't you think you ought to show up for church? Well, I, I found out the other day. I went to the church across the street from the church they invited me. And uh, that was the reason why I wasn't there. So the next week, I figured it out to go to the church across the street from the one I went to the previous there. And I started going to the church. It wasn't anything special that I knew of. But as I look back after all these years, God had to have been working in me when I didn't realize he was working in me. The next thing I know, they had the audacity to invite me to Sunday school, and I went. Boy, I enjoyed that. Next thing I remember, I was single at the time. Somebody invited me to a singles Thursday night Bible study and fellowship, and I went. The next thing I know, the Sunday school teacher had the audacity to challenge me to read the Bible and in particular, Deuteronomy. Who reads Deuteronomy? And I did. Before long, going to church, being involved with church with people who love Jesus, I recognized that I was a sinner and repented of my sin and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And from that point forward, i've just continued to be actively involved in the lord's work sometimes it's been really hard physically emotionally mentally spiritually i i know that but i've always been blessed i've just been blessed but it begins when we repent of our sin and by faith trust jesus christ as lord and savior maybe i did i I only recognize a few of you here and don't even can't even claim to know any of you, but maybe God has been speaking to you in, in a way that I'm not aware of. Uh, Deacon Mike, I believe, I'm going to invite you to come forward now, and uh, maybe you'd like to just share with Deacon Mike whatever is on your heart, whether it's accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior or... I don't know, maybe to pray with you, whatever. But this is this is his church. And so uh, if you would, would you please bow with me as I go to the Lord and pray?